Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of the Cubs Corner presented by Cubs Analyst. My name is Anthony Pasquale, and on today's edition, we welcome Chris Emma from 670 The Score. Thanks for joining us, Chris. Thanks for having me. So you've been around both uh, the Cubs and the Sox a little bit so far this season, and I'm just wondering, what's the current vibe of this Cubs team? You know, it's certainly better from uh, you know that first week and a half, the two and seven start. I mean, it's uh, they haven't lost a series since that uh, that weekend in Milwaukee, losing the first three series of the season, um, and they won everyone except for that short and uh, rain short in two game series, the split with the Angels. So, you guys are playing better ball. Uh, you're seeing some of these players that you know you were expecting the big production from rounding to form and. Uh, the rotation is really settled in as well. So all in all, it's been pretty good. And I think the vibe always reflects the way things are going. And they're going well right now. And I know we were talking last week that you you, you wish that their, their pretty good stretch of 7-3 and three that followed their 3-7 and seven start came after a better start. But you mentioned you don't think 7-3 and three happens without 2-7. and seven. Yeah, you, you know, water also has to find its level, and uh, I, I think you're seeing the, the team responding the right way um, based on the way that it all started. And, uh, they, you know, they would have loved to have the 7-3 and three instead of the 2-7 and seven out of the gates, but um, there's always going to be ebbs and flows of a baseball season, and things just kind of compounded on them, the, you know, the 2-7 and seven start, and they're pressing a little bit, and you heard even players like John Lester, the respected voices, saying, Guys are trying to do too much right now, and I think that was absolutely the case. So um, everybody's kind of settled into the season now, and things are going as you'd expect. And as we'd expect, the Cubs find themselves near the top of the NL Central, currently in second place at 14-12, and 12, and they start a two-game series tonight in Seattle. What do you make of this series? Uh, it's always fun when they get the DH involved and you kind of get a full look at this lineup and everything uh, in play there for the Cubs. So, um, you know, the Cubs get the Mariners' two best pitchers right now. And Felix Hernandez has been pitching better as of late. Um, I think he qualifies as probably their second best starter. And uh, Marco Gonzalez has been very good as well. So, uh, no easy trip. It's always difficult, too, when you got to travel out uh, Pacific Northwest or anywhere on the West Coast and kind of you know, adjust on the fly in terms of lifestyle and the way you prepare. But um, So it'll be a tough uh, tough couple of games for the Cubs, but they like to come away with there with at least a win. Yeah, and like you mentioned, the Cubs starting rotation has really been better as of late. They've almost turned into a, a strength of the team, whereas in the beginning they were quite the weakness, wouldn't you say? Without a doubt, and, and that's a key thing is to look at where this team can go because when you were forecasting things at the beginning of the season, uh, pitching was the question, especially you know the horses like John Lester and Cole Hamels who have been their two you know two of their best pitchers right now. And same with uh, same with Jose Quintana. Uh, add that to the bullpen, which has really been much better as of late. And uh, you're seeing the weaknesses early on look to be strengths. And, and like I said before, there's ebbs and flows to a season. And, uh, things that have to play themselves out. Nothing can really be taken out of you know a series uh, a series sample or even like a ten game sample. But um, I think what you've seen the last couple weeks is much different and much more realistic from what you saw the first week of the season. And up until the last week or so, like you mentioned, some of the Cubs hitters that you expect to to be these anchors in the lineups, you've got Chris Bryant, Anthony Rizzo, and, and they've kind of been struggling, but a pretty good series in Arizona. Do you think these guys are just about ready to break out? 
Yeah, especially Chris Bryant. Uh, it, it, you know, it's one of those things. That his swing just did not look right in those first few weeks of the year. Uh, it's different now, and you're seeing the results. He's squaring the ball up finally, uh, which he was not doing early on. It, he stopped lunging too much, and he just did not look like himself at the beginning of the year. But uh, the swing's more compact, and you can tell by the way he's pulling the ball. Um you know, Chris Bryant takes a lot of pride in going to opposite field, but he's at his best like any other hitter when he's able to rip the ball to left field. And he's getting that bat through the zone so quickly. I think I saw, if I did my numbers right, the last five games he's been hitting over 50% pulling the ball and over, uh, I think it's over 60% hard contact. So you're seeing him square the thing up. And whether it was tweaked to the swing or just seeing different pitches in a, in a new manner, uh, he looks much better from those first few weeks of the year. And, and there's another thing I would mention. Like you said, it seemed like he was always lunging towards the ball, and that's why he had a lot of weak contact to the opposite field. But now instead of doing that, he's really driving the ball to the opposite field as well. He had an opposite field home run, a couple of warning track shots. So he's really spreading the ball around, around the field. Yep, without a doubt. I mean, it, we... He has to take the ball to the opposite field naturally as opposed to doing it what he was doing before where he's lunging at the ball and not hitting the ball comfortably. Um, when he goes the opposite way, you want him to do it with power, of course, and that means going with the pitch, taking what's been delivered to him and ripping the ball to right center that way. He's going to hit probably five to ten home runs this year going right center uh, because he's able to do that. But uh, you don't want him doing it the unnatural way where he was lunging at pitches and chasing stuff that, you know, you don't come to expect from Chris Bryant. So um, it, the fact that he's pulling the ball is important. It reflects the changes that he's made and the adjustments uh, from early on. So now you'll feel a lot better when he's able to do that and then also go to right center, right field with power. And for those of you who don't know back home, David Bodie homered twice on Saturday and was given the was scheduled to have Sunday off. But before the game, Ben Zobris went into skipper Joe Mann's office and, and pretty much said, look, David Bodie's red hot at the plate. There's no reason I should be getting this start over him. And Joe changed his mind, put Bodie in. Bodie ended up driving in a run with a double. And then Ben Zobris came off the bench late in that 15-inning game and drove in the go-ahead runs and then scored what ended up being the winning run. So a pretty complete story for this Cubs team. But what do you make of that whole story, Chris? Everybody in, right? I mean, that, that's the motto. You know, that's the slogan to see all over Wrigleyville. But that's the way a successful team is run, too, where, you know, somebody like a Zobris can do the, uh, reenact the old scene from Rudy and say, I want this guy in the lineup and not me. Uh, Bodie deserved it, but, you know, it was nice to see Zobers kind of break through, too, where um, that was his first extra base hit all season long, and it was a timely one, uh, double, where they needed every run they could to eke out that win and pull through in 15. Um, I, I think Zobers is going to get it going, but I also don't think he's going to perform at the level he did last season, so... Uh, but just from the personal side, you got to appreciate a veteran player saying, play this guy, he deserves it. And um, it, Zobers has been such an extension of Madden since um, Madden arrived in 15, Zobers arrived with the team in 15, uh, because they understand each other well, they've been together for a long time. And Zobers knows that, you know, this kind of, this new situation of putting the lineups out in advance, um, it's an adjustment for Madden, and it's something that kind of puts him in a tough spot at times. So uh, I like the fact that he came out and said, play Bodie. Yeah, I agree. And it seemed like 
Um, the main thing a lot of these players said to the front office and to the coaching staff after last season was that we'd like a little bit more consistency with the lineup. Now, I think what they meant is, is we'd like to know, for instance, like a, a guy like Kyle Schwarber, he wants to know he's in the lineup every day. He doesn't – I'm sure a lot of these guys don't really want to be those platoon types, but instead what the Cubs did is they decided to give the consistency consistency by way of releasing their lineups on a series-by-series series basis. And as you, you can see in that situation with David Bodie, it sometimes puts the manager in a pretty tight spot. Yeah, it, it's just – it's kind of awkward. I, it, it's a way of – that I. You know, the old Joe Madden thing you kind of heard half uh, tongue-in-cheek uh, joking about was the relating to millennials. And, um, you know, I'm a millennial, you're a millennial. I, mean, it's, I don't know if it's entirely necessary or you have to put it out in advance. I, I appreciate what it means in terms of preparation and things like that. But um, yeah, there's also kind of what we were just saying before. Of, uh, it, the idea behind it, the basic premise was, you don't want people worrying about uh, playing time or pressing or doing things the wrong way because they're afraid they're not going to be in the lineup. Where, um, you know, that reflects the idea of a player who might have an offer and you don't want them worrying about it the next day. But when somebody has a four for four or something, they should be in the lineup the next day. So uh, it's twofold. It's kind of complicated. And um, I like the fact that Zobra said to hell with that, you know, put Bodie out there. And. I don't know if you recall, but this was actually one of the games that I have been to earlier this year. Chris Bryant had the scheduled day off. It was the Saturday game against the Angels. It ended with Kyle Schwarber almost taking the umpire's head off. And <laughs> and there were three or four spots in that ball game where I was thinking, why isn't Chris Bryant pinch hitting right now? He's one of your best hitters. I know he was struggling at the time, but... This should be his at bat, and I talked to my dad about it when I got home. We were both fairly upset about it, and in the press conference, Joe Madden was like, no, nothing's wrong. He was just scheduled with a day off. So I feel like that's the wrong way to go about it almost, where if you have an off day, your head's completely out of the game almost. Yeah, it's just it's awkward. Um, I mean, I, I, I respect the way that Madden's adapted to it. I mean, like he's handled a tough situation here in stride. He's handled it all with Bruce and uh, he's all for, you know, the quote unquote pressure that surrounds him with the lame duck status. And uh, he's done what he's been asked so far. Uh, you know, 14 and 12 is, uh, it's good. It's not great. It uh, obviously is a complex uh, record given the fact that they've been, they were down. Now they're back up, but um you're asking a lot of a guy who's been you know, probably a future Hall of Fame manager, Matt, and just say, are you going to do it this way? You got to handle it this way. Um, you know, it, it's Theo Epstein's team. It's his organization. Uh, it's his power and it's his right because he's a future Hall of Famer too. But it's uh, it's just kind of awkward the way that Madden has to work with some of these new details. And speaking of Madden, do you think he will be managing for the Cubs next season? It's tough. Um, you know, somewhere in the two and seven, I would have said Mark Loretta would be managing at some point this year. But um, I don't know. It, it, this season's been so bizarre. It's really hard to tell um, where it's all going because, you know, the Brewers started hot. Now they're down. The Cubs started down and now they're hotter. Uh, Cardinals have been kind of up and down a little bit, too. Uh, I mean, I think if the Cubs win the division and make a run in October, then Madden is probably back. But uh, I think it's just cut and dry is how deep are they going to go in the playoffs? Or obviously, will they make the playoffs? Um, 
look at what I was saying before. This is Theo Epstein's team. Uh, he's got the power here, and there's no question about that. He's the authority in charge of this all. And Madden's the one working in the final year of a contract without anything guaranteed. Um, that's why they hired Mark Loretta to be the bench coach. And this is not a longtime Joe Madden guy like Davey Martinez was. Um, this is somebody that Theo Epstein and Jed Hoyer know well and are grooming to be the manager if need be. Um, so don't be surprised if, uh, if it's Mark Loretta leading the Cubs next year. But the team's got to respond. Uh, you got to perform. You got to live up to the billing of a team that should be in the playoffs and should be making that run. Uh, it looks like the National League is going to be wide open this year. It should be the Cubs for the taking with all the talent they have and everything that's in place. But uh, it's a long season. Uh, we mentioned those ebbs and flows. So um, who knows where it's going to go? So you think if uh, Joe Madden is not the manager, the next manager of the Cubs will be Loretta? Because I've heard. Um, David Kaplan and various other people think uh, Joe Girardi might be the next guy up. Well, I, I just don't think Girardi is necessarily the kind of fit the Cubs are looking for. Um, and frankly, one of the reasons why he was let go in New York was because uh, they felt he wasn't the kind of communicator that he needed to be with a young team. I don't think that fits the Cubs and fits what Theo Epstein's looking for. I think Girardi's a terrific manager. I think he's going to do, he's going to be back in a role probably next year and doing really well with it because he gets results uh, and he finds a way to win. But I don't know if he's necessarily the kind of fit uh, that's totally different from a Joe Madden. Uh, they're different personality wise. Uh, you know, Girardi's a little bit more rigid, where Madden's a little bit more laid back. But um, I think Theo Epstein and Jed Hoyer want somebody who kind of fits. Uh, what they're looking for, that kind of style. Uh, the new school manager, in a way, and that's why they brought in Loretta. For, uh, that's the way that I've read it, at least. And speaking of the NL Central and the National League that you mentioned, looks to be like it's going to be up for grabs. How do you see the NL Central shaking out come October? <laughs> you know, I think it's going to be the same thing we saw last year, the Cubs and the Brewers down to that final week. Um, yeah, The Brewers, uh, they hit a couple skids. They've been... Fairly good so far. I, I think they're going to find a hot streak at some point this year. You know, the Cubs have to hope that they're ahead of them by that point. Um, I don't believe in the Cardinals. I, I, Goldschmidt was a huge addition. They've got a great team, but I don't think it's a team that's going to win more than 90 games. And um, I think this thing really is going to come down to the Cubs and the Brewers uh, neck and neck down the stretch. And um, I think one team's getting the Central, one team's getting the wild card. So similar situation to last year. Yep. Oh, yeah. Um, and speaking of the NL Central, the Cubs play the Cardinals this weekend for the first time this year. And an interesting storyline regarding that series is is that's when Addison Russell's suspension for domestic violence is, is up. How do you think that that situation is going to go? And should they bring him up, what does that mean for Javi Baez? I, I, it shouldn't mean anything for Javi Baez if and when they make the move. It sounds like it could be this weekend. Maybe a play it out uh, a few more games in the minors just because you're able to and you're pretty good at that level in the majors. Um, Javi Baez should be the Cubs shortstop here moving forward. It, you know, that shouldn't be any question. It, maybe a play Russell, you know, he's the guy who backs up at shortstop and is that true uh, number two that they haven't had behind Baez since losing Russell. But um, Javi has been at a high level at shortstop. Uh, he's an MVP candidate again, the way that he was last year. Don't disrupt anything that this guy is doing because he's one of the centerpieces of this team. And Russell's a guy 
Uh, you're trying to see what you have as a ball player now. Um, so the Cubs are committed to not only helping him off the field and obviously uh, doing something that's a better solution with domestic violence and with not only Russell, of course, but with uh, his ex-wife, with their uh, you know their children. Um, there's a lot that goes into it from the off-the-field side, but purely from the baseball side, they also made this move because they believe um, with this guy playing the, you know, with this guy focused and this guy committed to playing baseball, he can be an all-star level player. Uh, I just think that should be at second base because I don't think there's any way in which uh, Javier Baez is a better player than Addison Russell moving forward. I'm sorry, that any chance that uh, Addison Russell becomes a better player than Javier Baez. Let me get that right. So uh, Baez takes center stage on this and Russell's a man on the side. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think we've seen Javi play second, short, third, and even some outfield. And aside from that brief time in 2015, we've pretty much only seen Russell at short. But when Javi's production has been his best, it's been you're hitting fourth and you're playing shortstop. So I think keeping that consistent for Javi is important. And then letting Russell kind of turn into maybe almost replace Ben Zobrist in that sense of your extra utility infielder that can maybe play some outfield as Zobrist's contract is winding down. Yeah, you know, Zobrist... uh... I think he's going to get hot, pick up a little bit, but um, he's not the player he was last year where he kind of had, you know, a crazy good season for a 36-year-old, but 37 looks a lot different on him right now when he's not ripping the ball the way that he used to. Um, you know, he's a slap hitter right now at best, and um, he's the guy who probably takes a back seat when Addison Russell does come back eventually. Uh, they're committing to get getting Russell the at-bats, uh, seeing what he can become and whether he plays the whole year out with the Cubs or they end up trading him at some point. Um, I think Zobris is the guy who takes the back seat. Uh, and, you know, they, they spread the at-bats differently, but it's a unique situation now where you have Russell returning, you have Descalso can play second and third, uh, you have Bodie can play second and third, some short, uh, you have Zobris who can play second in the corners, and you have a bunch of guys who can play the corner outfield spot. So, uh, there's limited at-bats. It's a complicated, uh, busy situation, but you want to have a lot of talent, and you want to figure it out the right way. So um, Javi should not be the player platooning by any means. It's his shortstop. You let everything else work out around him. Yeah, I agree. This team has a lot of talent and a lot of depth. It's going to be interesting, especially upon Russell's return, to see how it all kind of shakes out. And as we're talking about shortstops, I've I've read a lot of this on Twitter and everything. Um, who's the best shortstop in Chicago, Javier Baez or Tim Anderson? <laughs> yeah, it's uh, the recency bias starts to uh, kick in when a guy like Anderson's playing this well. But uh, Javi did it for a whole year. I mean, it's different. Uh, you know, if Anderson can do it for all of 2019 and he can play at an all-star, maybe an MVP-type level, then you have the conversation. But um, it's not a conversation right now. Javi Baez is the best shortstop in Chicago. Uh, Anderson's playing at a very, very high level. And you hope he can sustain it because this guy's a terrific leader for the White Sox. Um, he's the kind of player that you want to build around uh, if he can play near this uh, this kind of uh, pace. So it's great to see from the Sox perspective. But, uh, you know, it's what have you done for me lately. It's uh, not only that, it's you have to sustain this. You have to really prove yourself uh, and play this thing out. So uh, it's still hobby right now. But, you know, Anderson's got a shot to really prove something here with a breakout year. I agree, and Anderson currently sits batting average-wise, I believe, leading the American League at three seventy-five. but 
Javi has the the power numbers. He has more homers, more RBIs, that type of thing. But it's definitely an interesting dynamic and good for the city, I would say. Yeah, you know, from the White Sox perspective, they've not had a face of the franchise since Canerco, really. I mean, they got some good young players now. Um, This is where you start establishing guys like that. Not only Anderson, but Yohan Mokata, Aloy Jimenez, of course. Uh, Some of these young pitchers like Lopez, who you want to see sustain. Uh, Giolito, just you like to see him kind of level things after, you know, horrendous last season. Uh, Carlos Rodon, it'd be nice to see him get established as the ace. But um, you want to come away from this 2019 season saying, these are the guys we're building with here. The way that it was for the Cubs years ago, (coughs) excuse me, but it was uh, Anthony Rizzo. And he was the proven leader and the guy you were really looking uh, to center this whole thing around. So the Sox need those guys and you want to see them emerge. It looks like Anderson's going to be that guy. And I've got I've got just a couple of quick questions about the Cubs and the rest of this season. Who do you think by the end of this year is going to be the Cubs MVP? I mean, it's hard to go against Javier Baez, right? <laughs> it's an easy pick, but um, it's got to be him. I mean, he's the actual MVP candidate in the National League, and it's he's not slowing down. It's not like just the theatrics and. You know, juking somebody out at first base or swimming into second base or, uh, you know, stealing home or whatever he may do. But the numbers are there. The sustained uh, back of the baseball card numbers. This guy's a terrific player, and he keeps getting better. So it's an easy pick, but it's Javi Baez. Do you expect Jason Hayward and Wilson Contreras to continue hitting the way they are? Yes, yes, I do. Um, specifically with Hayward, uh, he still has more walks and strikeouts, which is terrific. Uh, exactly what you want to see. It reflects um, and kind of complements the numbers that you see, the slash line that's up, the average over 300. Um, it shows not only is he getting the results when he squares the ball up, but he's also seeing the ball really well, the way that uh, he never has before in a Cubs uniform. So it's nice to see uh, the walk rate is high. Uh, it's higher than it's been since he's been in a Cubs uniform. And he's walking at that higher rate than the strikeout rate. Um, so he's seeing the ball. He's owning the plate. And when he's swinging the bat, he's getting results. Uh, same with Wilson Contreras, who I think it was just really a matter of getting that confidence back and being the kind of player that he's been in the past. So, uh, yeah, they both look terrific so far. I know Contreras has dropped a little bit into the numbers, but uh, I think that confidence is still high. And I know this is something we've talked about before as well, but by the end of the season, who is going to have more wins? You, Darvish, or Tyler Chatwood? <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting one. Um, I'm going to go with Darvish, and I'm going to give you a reason why. Uh, it's what we saw Sunday night in that win in Arizona. Uh, Darvish coming out late in the ball game. And they needed that out with the potential winning run and scoring position. Darvish pops, or uh, Chatwood pops 97, 98, and 97 for the K. He might be a back-end reliever eventually. Uh, maybe this year, he, he could emerge as that guy. And You know, that performance on Easter was great and just what he needed. Uh, six shutout innings, one walk. But uh, he's got the stuff that might play better in the bullpen than it does in the rotation where... Uh, you give him an inning or two, uh, you say, go at this guy, get us a big out. Maybe he's a closer down the road. Because if you're able to throw high 90s and move the ball the way he does with those other pitches, uh, you deserve to be in the ninth inning. So maybe it's Darvish gets more wins out of the rotation, but maybe Chatwood's a little bit more valuable to the team. 
maybe that's the guy that you plug in the ninth inning or the eighth inning. I mean, they, I don't know if Brandon Morrow is going to be in a Cubs uniform this year. Uh, you might have seen the last of him. So uh, you like to find those solutions. And uh, I thought it was a revelation the way that he pitched in that game Sunday and seeing uh, the way that he can go out there and get a key out like that because we've known he's got the stuff, but um, – you kind of apply the stuff through six or five innings, whatever it may be, but you put him in that one inning situation and he looks pretty good. Yeah, I agree with you. And, and that seems to be just about all the time we have here today on the Cubs corner podcast. Thanks for coming on, Chris. Amen, man. Thanks for having me. And if you want to catch this episode, previous episodes or episodes in the future, look up Cubs corner on Google play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify, or Apple Podcasts. Thanks for coming to the Cubs Corner. Go Cubs!